0: Hey, so today is um, going to be just a little bit different uh, than we have uh, uh, probably have ever done before. We, we've done some Q&A stuff uh, just once before, and it turned out to be a good and, and fruitful thing for us. Um, and so we want to give you the opportunity to do that very thing—just to ask your questions of your pastors. Uh, so something you've been thinking about, some theological question, some methodological question. Uh, even hey, what's your favorite foods? We we don't really care what your question is for us, but you get an opportunity to ask them. Some of you've already texted in your questions, uh, but if you're sitting there now going, I've really got a question that I want those dudes to answer. Uh, there's your number on the screen. Uh, you can text your number to that number. Uh, te- text your question of that number and um, I was it uh, yeah uh, and uh, and we'll try to answer it. Hopefully, it will get up here. Uh, we have we do have a screener, so uh, uh, you know you may not get your question put up if it's uh, if it's too difficult for us to answer or something. You know, we've like, hey, here's the level we're going to answer today. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but we will uh, we love to answer your questions today. Uh, and, and so uh, you'll we'll start out with some things that are already loaded in uh, that we've already gotten from you. But, but by all means, uh, text your question to that number and then uh, uh, Dustin will be our moderator today and uh we'll we'll go from there we ready to go ready to start yeah. Okay. got one. Oh, you got one this is ours
1: hello i'm dustin um, they pulled me out of the uh live stream room so i might be a little pale a little <laughs> on the lights, but that's okay so we got a few questions and like they said please send some more into the uh the number there um and our uh, team of screeners will be able to uh to pick one back there question one Uh, very good for uh, New Year's is it wise for Christians to drink alcohol I know the Bible condemns drunkenness but what about social drinking is it okay for Christians to drink Sorry.
0: all right I'll start Uh, (laughs) since you're all wondering about what did you do last night uh, I'll I'll answer that question uh, so, uh, we, uh, what we say here, especially you'll find if you go through our Discover class, uh, we actually touch on this a little bit, uh, but for those of you who may not have gone through that or wonder what we believe about that, what we believe the Bible teaches about that, um, we, uh, we don't believe that the Bible condemns alcohol consumption as a whole, um, uh, just, just as a blanket statement. Uh, what we do see in the scriptures is uh, that uh, the Bible does condemn drunkenness. Uh, where uh, an over excessive uh, indulgence of alcohol uh, we see many times that wine is used in the, in the Bible for celebrations and for, uh, to make the, the heart merry uh, and so we, what we say at Refuge is, is that that's probably a personal conviction for you and you shouldn't violate your conscience and so if you have that, uh, that conscience that says hey I, I don't think that I should drink alcohol then you know what we would tell you? Don't drink alcohol uh, but it may not be the same for the person sitting to your left or to your right. And so we would just say that um, uh, One don't violate your conscience 2 uh, don't move over into drunkenness because that clearly becomes uh, a sinful behavior
2: Yeah, and, and to
3: add to that, you know, w- what's your heart? I guess in this why Ask the question of why why are you consuming alcohol? Is it to make you feel different? Is it to make you forget? Uh, Maybe a hard day, then I would say that's probably not a wise reason to consume alcohol. But if it's to enjoy uh, flavors that God has given us, and uh, if if you know me and these guys know I'm a I'm a real food nerd, and so eating delicious food is a worshipful experience for me. I really can say, Oh my gosh, God, you have created really good tasting food and a good steak and a good wine. It can be a worshipful experience, or it can be a sinful experience, depending on. Uh, really why you're doing it so I would say ask yourself why am I consuming alcohol is it to enjoy it or is it to uh, self medicate
4: yeah I was just going to say as well I mean Ephesians 5 has already been alluded to um, Ephesians 5 is the one that talks about uh, do not be drunk on wine but be filled with Holy Spirit and then uh, Proverbs 20 says wine is a mocker strong drink is a brawler and whoever is led astray by it is not wise so kind of like it's already been talked about I think that uh is it profitable for you uh it, it says is uh whoever is led astray by it is not wise so if that's you and you're being led astray by it um then it's not wise it's pretty clear <laughs> so blake refuses to answer <laughs> <laughs> they,
2: they, covered it so well.
1: they did um i was gonna say you talked about the wine in the bible there's several famous pastors that say that might not be fermented wine what do you think about that anybody
2: or blake oh yeah um <laughs> i would just say no i'm just kidding so i mean you think i mean even logically i mean obviously the ferment the fermentation processes we have now are much more advanced than what they would have back then so the what, what occam's razor would say is that there's probably more alcoholic than what we have today um so um but yeah jesus first miracle was definitely grape juice is what i'm trying to say so uh no it definitely wasn't they even 70 I mean, if you look at jesus um in, that, in the story of the wedding at Kano, you know, his first miracle, they even said it was very common uh, for uh, them to use the, good, the better wine at the beginning, and then, so as they would get drunker and drunker, they'd use the, the not-so-good wine at the end because they wouldn't notice, right? But you see, they even said, oh, wow, they, they saved the best for last. That was a big deal because it kind of bucked the, the trend of that, so they wouldn't have said that if it wasn't a, a wine that they knew well, and even a wine that they w- were even surprised by its quality. Um, So I I would say that the the evidence that we see in scripture uh, points to that uh, Lame excuse. Honestly, (laughs) it doesn't it doesn't point to that. So in my opinion the uh, the welches girl. She's in tears right now
1: (laughs) All right, moving on. What is your go-to Bible verse? I guess for each of you individually Uh, the one that you turn to when times are tough
4: I think we'll probably have a similar. You said it's when times are tough, correct? Yes. Yeah, so we'll probably have a similar. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Uh, I know. That's why I was going to let you go. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> go ahead. No, go ahead.
4: Yeah. Uh, I think uh, that's, just, that's just a good go to verse. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Um, it, it, ta- it talks about do not be anxious about anything, but in all things through prayer and uh, supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So. It's good to regurgitate that, but that really is a core, what should I do when I'm anxious? What should I do when times are tough? And the answer is prayer with thanksgiving, with supplication, make my requests be made known to God. So, you know, it's it's easy to memorize that, but it's just the one I keep coming back to over and over.
0: Yeah, I'll just say something really quick about that same thing. Very difficult time in my life uh, a number of years back, and uh, someone basically introduced me to that set of verses and, and and I claim them often as promises because the the Bible says, uh, to be anxious for nothing, uh, but with everything in prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And I I was, I would often tell the Lord, you tell me when I tell you that my, my, the things that are going on, that you'll give me your peace that passes all understanding. You guard my heart, my mind. And so I've, I've had those conversations around the Lord's scripture, uh, just in in many many difficult times, I I, I prayed that over and over, waking in the middle of the night, anxious about something, and I'll pray that very prayer, and and the Lord has been very true to His promises in there.
2: Um, there's there's two that come to mind for me for um, growing up. I would say if you could call it a life verse, or uh, I don't know. So it has always been uh, for me John fifteen five. I'm so just going to read it. it. Says I am the vine, you are the branches. This is Jesus talking. Whoever abides in me and I in him. He, um, he, it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. So the idea of abiding in Christ has always been something that's been very um, near to my heart growing up. In fact, one of my first email addresses was blake155 at gmail.com. So, uh, so feel free to email me if you want to, But um, it, because, of this, because of this verse. Um, but lately, the one that I find myself going to the most often, the one I feel like I, I find myself sharing the uh, most for people that are grieving has actually been uh, Matthew 11, uh, starting in 28, which is, again, the words of Jesus saying, come to me, all who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And I, I found that has given me such um, such, just rest, the idea that Jesus wants me to bring my burdens to him, and that what he is offering me is something that is easy and light is just incredible. And I could preach a whole sermon on this, so I will. And uh, No, I'm just kidding. But, um, but the reason is, and just real quick, the reason that his yoke is easy and his burden is light is because he's the other ox in that yoke doing the heavy lifting, so I don't have to. Um, and so that, that was such, such an epiphany moment for me. Uh, in that And that's something I find myself sharing with people very, very often. Yeah, if you were here for uh, Advent when
3: I spoke on peace, uh, i referenced this one a lot out of Revelation 21 about the new heaven and new earth. And uh, and I go to this one a lot to just remind me that, you know, this pain that we're experiencing in this earth as Christians is temporary, uh, and it will actually be forgotten uh, and when it talks about God's dwelling place in, in 21, verse um, 3, that God will dwell with them, and he will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. So this idea that the new heaven and new earth coming down here, um, and that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. That's a constant go-to for me.
4: I got one more as well that I think would be... No, you're uh, done. We're out. Yeah. One verse? No. Uh, So this one is uh, from Psalm 34. I think Psalms are just a great place to go in general. Um, But Psalm 34, verse 17, When the righteous cry out for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. But here's the part that uh, anybody ever been in, like, struggling maybe loss of life or something like that and you're just like where is God in this like and I'm I'm hurting and I don't feel him he's not here uh when we go to the word of God and it says in verse 18 uh, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit so just thinking about that like where is God like you know our emotions get the best of us sometimes and we're like he's not here he's not around uh but when I go to the word the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and that's just a huge comfort for me
1: Nice. Um, we have a question, very obviously from a Refuge band member. Uh, how was the Refuge so blessed for a church this size with such a great band and talented musicians?
0: Well, Jeff, uh...
3: <laughs> we pay them a lot. <laughs> <Let's>... <laughs> Uh, just uh, ever since we launched Refuge, it's just the graciousness of God that we've had, even as a really small church that we've been able to put a band up here uh, w- there was about 24 of us on the launch team, including uh, you know, the pastor and his wife, and out of that came five people uh, to start the first band, and the first time that, you know, Scott's backup was, we're just going to play canned music from a CD, and so the first time that the band played and he heard it, you, know, you could see that look on his face like, I'm going to have to tell these people they're terrible <laughs> Uh, and then you could see that kind of, all right, we might can pull this off. We struggle a little bit, but God's just been gracious to, to provide uh, really talented musicians with the servant's heart that, That's really, that have a joy for serving.
0: Yeah, I'll just talk just real quick about that. What Paul alluded to, we, we were like, man, we need a band. And, and Paul was like, well, I play drums. And I was like, okay, good. You're the drummer. Uh, and, and then uh, David Zinn was with us. And he's like, well, man, I played bass guitar. And I'm like, we need a bass guitar. And then um, uh, Ashley, she was like, well, I play keys. And I'm like, good, we need a keyboard player. And then we had another couple guitar players and one that was kind of guitar player. Uh, and then a couple singers, and it was absolutely amazing. We played the same, like, nine songs over and over again for the first, uh, for the first probably year and a half. But uh, we liked those songs. But it was pretty incredible, and, and still incredible that God continues to bring talented, talented people that uh, do this just as a service to uh, our church family.
1: Anybody who listens to K-Love knows nine songs is a pretty good number to <laughs> hear over and over again. That's for sure. Speaking of that, it's like the K-Love uh, fundraiser drive. Please text nine zero one two nine five zero zero nine nine with your questions. I got a good one for theology here. If God has predetermined, has a predetermined number of days for us to live on earth, is there anything we can do to lengthen these days through healthy living and modern medicine or shorten these days by poor choices or suicide?
4: Should we all just say our answer on three? Should we just go one? No. I'd say i no, uh, but it depends on the the way that it's asked. So uh, our our numbers are our days are numbered. God is sovereign. Uh, he is there. We are not going to surprise God by our death. Uh, we're not going to surprise God by oh wow he really made it longer than I thought. Uh, but with that, uh, God did create our bodies and He did uh, create an amazing intricate. System that uh, we are called to honor our bodies, you know, through uh, what we eat, what we drink, how we, uh, how active we are. Um, But He also created our bodies very differently, so what that looks like to one person may not look the same to the other. But, um, but no, I don't think that we, we, we. uh, Can you read the question one more time?
1: Yeah. um, So we have a predetermined number of days. Um, Is there anything we can do to lengthen or shorten these days by our actions?
4: Be obedient. Be obedient, that's the only thing I would say, but you can't shorten
2: or lengthen, is what I would say. Yeah, the, the, the quick answer is, can, is there anything, if, if, the, what we know, so whenever we get weird, like, I wouldn't say weird, sorry, whoever asked this question, but um, whenever we get, uh, yeah, <laughs> the guy leaving, yeah, um, so, uh, but I would say whenever we get questions that are kind of like, you know, out there a little bit, and we're not sure, what we need to do is let's focus on what we are sure of, and what we do know is that the, the, the statement of, that our days are numbered by God, we know that is true. And so we know Scripture says that our days are numbered, so we know that that is true. So if you ask the question, well, is there anything I can do to give me plus one or minus one of that day? Well, the answer is no, because that would speak against what we know to be true in Scripture. Now, what I would also say, just logically from there, is that I don't know how many days I have. You don't know how many days you have. So for all you know, the exercise that you're doing today is what's allowing you to get to that day that uh, that is predetermined by God. Uh, but what you don't you don't know what that day is, and so just like what uh, De, uh, Pastor Daga said is, um, just be obedient to what we said. What we also know is true in Scripture is that God tells us to take care of our bodies because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. So. Uh, We do know we need to take care of our bodies as well, and we can't just say, well, you know, I'm just going to, you know, eat junk food and, you know, forever and expect to live to 90. You know, that's just not, that's, we know that not to be true, Uh, but that also wouldn't be a good steward of our bodies like God tells us to do in Scripture. So focus on what we know to be true and know and trust God that he is true to his word, and um, most things are going to shake out from there. And then the things that don't shake out, we can just say that we can fall that uh, falls into the mysteries of God and trust that he's a good father who loves us. So that that sounds like an obfuscating answer, but that's where I fall.
4: Say something else too is crazy. Have you ever noticed like all these different trends? I saw uh, uh, Larissa showed me some TikTok of like starting a new year and it's like uh, they start drinking a bunch of water and then they're looking at their phone and it says water is found to be bad. And then it's like, uh, you know, they start eating only vegetables and it's like new study shows that vegetables only are bad for you. It's like start eating meat all that, and it's like all these, you know, it's the trends come and go, but if if we look at the Word of God, even some of those things in here, the Daniel fast, uh, fasting, you know, fasting's all the rage right now, it's like, that's been around since the Bible, you know, since, uh, and it's it's profitable, it's good, so it's just, uh, there's a lot of wisdom in here for taking care of our bodies as well, just practical things. All right,
1: they're satisfied with their answers. Um yes i am very satisfied (laughs) this is um blake we've had this exact same discussion so i think you could answer this god's gift of tea this starts with a statement before a question god's gift of teaching is not exclusive to men if not an elder why wouldn't we allow a gifted female teacher to teach from the pulpit and
2: they use the word teach um, well, the question is, is uh, where, where we find that is in Timothy, in, in some of the Paul's letters, where he talks about um, that that women are so. Uh, Overall, what he's getting at is we believe at Refuge, what we believe it to be from the Bible is that every position in the church is open to both men and women with one exclusion, which is uh, that of being an elder. We believe the elder is held only for men uh, based on what we read in the scriptures to be true. If something that wasn't cultural, wasn't contextual to that church specifically, uh, because in fact, when when, uh, Apostle Paul speaks about it uh, in Timothy, he goes back to the very beginning of creation, talking about Adam and Eve. So we know that's not something just for that time, just for that one church in Corinth that some people see uh, arguments against that. Um, so anyway, that, that that's what you're kind of getting at. But the question is, why is that? Um, is, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure why God chose to do it that way other than we know that um, the the structure that he gives to the church often mimics the structure he gives to the family Which is one of the reasons we uh, use family language so much here in the refuge church that we're not a team We are a family of believers that God that Jesus chooses to put together And we know that what again what we know to be true in scripture is that uh, we we know that God calls the Husband of the family to be the head of the house just as Christ is head of the church uh, And so we know that to be true and we know that because of that that the church is also set up to be somewhat of a family, that it, it, the family kind of mimics uh, what the church looks like, which mimics what the union of Christ with the uh, with his uh, with his creation looks like. And so, um, I feel like I'm talking in circles at this point. But uh, but what it looks like is the reason the the reason that is true is because men are to be held to be the head of the house. Men are to be the head of the church, just as Christ is the head of the whole universe. Essentially, it's kind of where that gets down to. So. And I feel like I know Scott. You do. You do a really good job of talking about this as well, and kind of going through Scripture with that. So,
0: yeah, I, I think that uh, the the biggest the biggest part is what we do and why we do the things we do is because we we open the Scriptures, we look at the Scriptures. We don't look at culture. We don't look at what the latest trend is. We're not trying to follow trends or. Uh, to be accepted by culture or anything necessarily like that. We go, what does the word of God teach us? How does it teach us on specific things? And this is just one of those things that uh, we read very directly uh, in the scriptures. It it doesn't mean that, again, women aren't talented or gifted speakers or anything at all like that. It just means that in the order of the church that has been, especially even the role of elder and teaching uh, has been given to, uh, to men in the church. And so we don't know why God did that other than he did and he said. And so uh, whether we you like it or whether we don't like it, that's not really how we choose to do things. We we choose to to do and follow the things based off what the word of God tells us.
2: Yeah. And another thing that I'll add to this is uh, I feel like especially today in 20, I almost said 2022, in 2023, uh, is a lot of times this question is asked, and really this, the, the undertone of what they're asking is, why do you hate women? is, is really what they're asking, right, whenever the church or Christians are asked that. Uh, but what I'd love to point out is, whenever uh, Jesus speaks of women in the Bible, whenever Paul or the writers of Scripture speak of women, what they're doing is elevating the role of women, not declining it. Uh, because you think about when, when this was, is uh, in this day and age, when these were written, a woman was simply seen as the property of her husband. And so the fact that Jesus says that you are to honor your wife as Christ loves the church, so he gave up his life for her, that was radical equalization amongst the sexes. And so, um, so when we say that... Um, When you read scripture what you see is an equalization of men and women that god sees them both as equal and as uh, Heirs as daughters and sons of the great high king. They're equal in inheritance Uh, Women you're not just christians because your husband's a christian You are offered salvation just as much as men are in that god chooses women just as much as he chooses men because of his His choosing to do so Um, And so um, so I always want to point that out whenever we're talking about women in the church um, that women in Scripture are being elevated, not declined uh, based on how God sees them. And here in, at Refuge, uh, we, we even kind of buck the trend a little bit, too. You'll see that we have both men and women deacons uh, here at Refuge, which in a Baptist world is very Kind of not kind of weird a little bit and so um, And so kind of the, the, the What we hold is that If there's anything that we would allow An unordained man to do We'll also allow a woman to do so you'll see Women even baptizing their kids if they were A, a, a lead discipler of that Person we saw just recently Um, And so the only thing that we'd say women are not allowed to do is uh, be an elder. And that's not because of some arbitrary rule we decided. It's because that's what we read in Scripture. And we trust God's right and a good plan, that he does it because he's good, because he loves us. And that's what he wants. That's how he's choosing to carry out his church. All right, we got a question. Probably the only
1: um, physical question we're going to get here on a real piece of paper from one Oliver James Dacus. (laughs) Um, uh, this is for Scott and uh, Pastor McDade since y'all both uh, started the church. How, when was the refuge church made? And uh, if you want to go on a little bit, what, uh, I don't know what gave you the idea that you wanted a church plant? And how did you go about doing it?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so we um, refuge was planted in uh, July of 2009. Uh, so it, it really kind of, the, the thing kind of started before that. Uh, I, I, I taught a Sunday school class at the a Young Married Sunday School class at the church where I was previously. And um, we, were, uh, we were in a discipleship group together. And we met and talked and prayed, and studied the Bible together. And someone actually introduced me to Mark Driscoll back in the day. And so uh, Mark Driscoll uh, was a pastor out in Washington. Actually, Pastor Dacus was, I went to his church for a while uh, the church where he pastors for a while. And, um, um, and I'd never heard anybody preach like Mark Driscoll. Uh, he he explained the scriptures, uh, better and more simply than anybody I ever heard. And so, uh, I just enjoyed listening to him. He was big and part of a big thing of what he wanted to do was church planting. He founded the Acts 29 network, which we're actually a part of now. Um, and so, uh, I felt like maybe the Holy Spirit was calling me to be a church planter at some point. And I thought that was a terrible idea. You know, I was, I was married, had four kids. I was not trained, yada, 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 on and on. Uh, every excuse in the book about why I couldn't be a, a church planter or a pastor. Um, uh, and so we prayed with some guys that we were meeting with. And we we're like, hey, man, I want you guys to pray about this. And so we did that for almost a year trying to figure out is God really discer- discerning, the, or we were trying to discern the call from the Lord. Is he calling us to plant a church? And so, uh, finally, um, uh, uh Pastor Mark had a, uh, he put this call out for like 900 people who might want to be church planters to come to Seattle to his church, to really, dis, uh, really to encourage church planters and things like that. So, uh, 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 my wife at the time, her name was Jerry and, um, uh, she was vehemently against it. Like she was one thousand percent against. She's like, I did not marry a pastor. I'm like, I know. Trust me, I know you didn't. Uh, and um, and she was like, so she she was just kind of very dismissive of me and my whole thing of working through this. And uh, so we decided to go to this boot camp in Seattle to to hear these these guys talk or hear Pastor Mark and some other people talk about church planting. And so the night before we left, she was like, why do you want to be a church planner? And I'm like, honestly, I don't want to be a church planner. Uh, but I think that God may be calling me to be a church planner. And so she's like, all right, whatever. Uh, and so we went to Seattle, and me and uh, there were two other guys, Dawson Stockdale, who was here, and his brother, Jason. Uh, we went to Seattle, uh, met uh, uh, Pastor Mark's first talk was on the call of a church planner. And uh, he said, you've got to have, he listed out nine things that you've got to have. He said, you've got to have this first thing. You've got to have at least one of these next eight things to even consider yourself to be a church planner." First thing was you need to be filled with the spirit. Uh, You need to be be a Christian. He said, too many people aren't even Christians who end up being pastors. Um, He said, and then there were like eight other things and there were like five of them that fit. And it's like the Holy Spirit went and like aligned like the things that he'd been doing in my own life and so we sat there at the end of that talk, and, he, and I were like, oh my goodness, this is what God's calling us to. And so we were there for four days, and and the Lord was just continuing, the Holy Spirit was just continuing to encourage us in this. And so they were all excited. They were like, man, we can't wait. Our wives are in for this. And I'm like, well, my wife is not in for this. Uh, and as, if she's out, I'm out. And so... Um, uh, we got home, and it was late one night we got home, and so we got up the next morning, and, and Jerry had said, well, how was it? I said, it was amazing, fantastic, and she said, uh, and I said, honestly, I don't know how we can't do this now, and she said, well, if God is calling us to do something, who are we to say no? And I'm like, who are you, and what have you done with Jerry Benjamin? Uh, I mean, she, I mean, it was like a, a total 180 on, on on what it was four days previous to that. And honestly, she had uh, gone back and listened to uh, a, a sermon series by David Platt uh, that became his book called Radical. And so she kind of really went on her own and, and wanted to hear from the Lord as well. And so while the Lord was confirming it in my heart, he was confirming it in her heart. And, and that was the beginning of it. Uh, and we were like, okay, if God's calling us to this. Who are we to say no? And that's where we launched out. And so, Paul, you kind of want to talk about it from no, there? I mean,
3: that's a great history. I will just add that, you know, of the 24 people I mentioned, none of us had any church experience. We'd never been a part of a church plan or anything like that. So if you've come in the last few years and you ask yourself, why do they do it this way? That's really why, because we've just kind of fell into a lot of things. Now, we, we do think through everything we do very strategically, I think. But if you ever wonder, why do these people do things a little differently? Because we really, at, at the beginning, had no idea what we were doing. And just uh, these things kind of evolve in the way that we do things. And we kind of like it.
1: Yeah. All right. You got a pretty, uh, this is very open-ended. Uh, as a Christian... How should I respond to the modern social justice movement or woke movement, as they said?
3: I'll just throw in, I can't remember if it was you or Paul that just made the comment, you know, of being obedient. You know, go to scripture first, and this could apply to so many different kinds of questions. What does scripture say about it? And so I think you start there, uh, and, and you look at how Jesus, you know, treated the poor and widows and orphans. And so as Christians, we have a responsibility. Um, I think the, the problem becomes where churches and Christians elevate that above the truth of the gospel and the, the gospel becomes the gospel plus social justice or the gospel plus something. Uh, and I think that's where churches and Christians tend to get into dangerous territory when it becomes more than just about Jesus rescuing sinners.
0: Yeah, I would I would add to that. I completely agree with Pastor Paul. Uh, I, it, it's important for us to hear people, uh, especially as Christians. We should be people who listen and welcome in people to to hear what they've got to say and and, and what people say. Sometimes initially is not what they really want to talk about or what's really eating at their heart or what they're really trying to get to. And so I think any time that we get to spend time with people. Uh, spend time listening to people, spend time asking questions about why a person feels or or does or doesn't do specific things in their life. Uh, uh, We just get to know people. We get to kind of dig down a little bit deeper and get a little bit more understanding about why uh, people are or or don't do or or feel a certain way about things. And uh, many times people just want to be heard. They just want you to hear and want you to care. And so that's one of the things that we just talked about that Jesus did. He went to people and he cared and he listened and, and people even who were outcasts that men would never, might not even talk to, uh, he entered in with them and, and some people rejected what he had to say. And so some people might reject what we have to say, or, or we might even disagree over some surface issues about things. But I I think just listening and hearing and having some empathy towards people, uh, even if we don't necessarily land on the same page. Uh, is a way to love and care for people.
4: Yeah, i say, uh, um, you know, y- it's easy to go on social media and, and get caught up in in just the whirlwind of, you know, doom scrolling and, and all that. It's already been said, you know, the, the culture changes, the Bible doesn't change. Those same truths are true today as they will be 100 years from now, Lord willing, as they were, you know, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. So uh, we always go to the Word. Uh, I was thinking about something my, my wife said that I, I really like uh you see the what would Jesus do uh, wristbands, but she's like, it's, wouldn't the better question be what would Jesus have me do? And we, we only know that by going to scriptures. What, how did Jesus treat the immigrants? How did Jesus treat the oppressed? How did he treat these different groups? How does he treat me? And then, because we're all just fellow travelers in this world together, so uh, compassion, obedience, um, that's what I would say.
1: And this kind of goes along with that question. How do you draw the line between loving the sinner and not condoning their sin?
2: I think the, uh, I think the golden rule helps a lot with that. You know, how I treat others as you want them to be treated. And uh, so I think that uh, I'm, I'm really glad that people don't judge me by my sin. I'm really glad that Jesus chose not to judge me by my sin but die on my behalf. Um, and so I would say that the, the same is true for everyone that I think a lot of times when we're when people say judge the sinner or judge The sin not the sinner. I think what they're again just like what you talked about Scott um, That really what's the question behind the question and I think a lot of times is your uh, Am I like the I know you talk about this a lot mcdade the, um the, am I like the Pharisee saying thank you God for making me not like this person Thank you, God, for not making me as sinful as this person. But then once we realize that we are all sinners, we are all equally sinful. We are all equally not deserving of the cross of Christ. Um, then I think that puts us all on the same playing field and allows us to understand that wow, the fact that I get grace at all is amazing, and the fact that you get grace too is even more is amazing too. And so I, I think whenever we talk about love the sinner or love hate the sin, not the sinner. Um, really what we're getting into is really answering that question under the question of do we really see each other and ourselves as sinful as everyone else? And do we really believe that we are as sinful as we really are? because uh, I think that, um, that's a game a lot of us play in the south is hiding our sin and putting on this mask, this face, this smile. Um, and, um and sh- Pretending like we're not sinful right so we've always said that, you know that, that Scott says a lot that we always want to be the island of Misfit toys here at refuge, right? So we would much rather be a hospital for sinners than a country club for people just acting like they're figuring it out Right. None of us are the only thing we're gonna do is we're gonna point to the cross of Christ That's a we, that's a we, our job here uh, We read recently in a book We were reading is that uh, at the end of the day we are a very small finger pointing to a very big Christ uh, and so I think that's really what, uh, what what that question is getting to for me. If someone were to ask me that face to face, that's the way that's the direction I would take that conversation. So I don't know if that even answers the question, but I think that's uh, that's really what I feel like what gets to the heart of what's really being asked.
4: Yeah, I think also you you are loving the person by hating the sin as well. Uh, you love them. You know, if if you truly do love the person, uh, you call them out lovingly on their sin. Uh, because you know that that sin leads to death. So if you love them, call them out on it, call yourself like this is again, I think Blake, you nailed it is you have to first see yourself. I have to see myself as deeply sinful on the same level, looking up at the same God. Um, but still, we need to, like, especially as Christians, we need to be calling each other out and into love. Yeah.
0: Yeah, one of uh, a pastor friend of ours in Nashville, his name's Ray Ortland, uh, would, would say this a lot. He said many times when you encounter people and maybe a sinful behavior or whatever it is, uh, you, you bring three elements to bear, gospel, space, and time. And so as you might encounter someone who's involved in some type of sinful activity, Jesus encountered people all the time, you know, and, and he spoke truth to them. He spoke gospel truth to them. Uh, and, and then, as, as Ortland would say, you give them s- some space, honestly, for the Holy Spirit uh, to begin to do his work. I, I, I'm just a dude. You're just a person. Uh, and we don't change anybody's heart. We don't, we don't make anybody change their behavior. But we do bring truth to bear in a particular situation. And then give them some space and some time for the Holy Spirit to actually do his work. Pray fervently for them. Pray for the Spirit to do a work in their hearts. And, uh, and then watch him work off, based off bringing truth to bear.
2: Yeah, I think what you said it, it, uh, is listening to the spirit, right? I think, I think a lot of times where that question is getting at too is, you know, am I supposed to be this warrior who goes out and stands on a soapbox with a, me- a megaphone and yelling at the Memphis and May people that they're all sinners or something like that, right? Is that, is that what we're supposed to do as Christians? And I think um, that really what that, What we need to be doing is just what you said scott is that listening to the spirit in that Uh, one of the things that was so radical One of the reasons that the pharisees were trying to kill jesus is one of the names that they called him was jesus friend of sinners And uh, so I think that's what um, I think we're to be that as well That we're to be we're to Befriend sinners because again, just like we're all talking about we're all sinners, right? I'm not doing them a favor by being their friend because i'm just as sinful as they are They're just as sinful as I am Um, And so if i'm a friend of the center, then i'm going to be able to uh, enter into their lives again What is the thing at the end of the at the end of every service? We say that we're what? We're missionaries So as missionaries we go out and you're not going to be this um, You're not going to go out and just start bible thumping people. You're going to make friends with people You're going to your neighbors who you've known for years You're going to get into a position where you're able to speak the gospel into their lives because they trust you and you're their friend They've eaten dinner at your table and um, and you're and again, if you're praying for them fervently asking the spirit god lead me to to be able to uh, for Opportunities to to inject gospel truth maybe even just little things over time then that, that God's going to be faithful to answer those questions Um, so yeah, but that's so why they don't don't underestimate the power of, of listening to the spirit in those times And I don't believe God's calling us to go and uh, be the sin police necessarily uh, But listen to sometimes you do need to have those difficult conversations in difficult times um, but uh, yeah, don't don't be that guy. I guess is what to sum up what I'm trying to say
1: All right, uh, for the new folks out there um, Someone says as a recurring guest, can you review your core values as a church? Yeah, go come to discover. To Dis- <laughs> yeah, go to
2: discover next week, so
1: <laughs> Okay, there's gonna be no previews for discovery. You either got to go or uh, I guess you're not gonna know
3: Go to discover. Um, you know, I, yeah, we can't just, there. there's a, a in we'll talk through, um, what we call the essential Christian doctrine. And those would be things that we hold in a closed fist. These things that we say, if you believe, uh, if you don't believe any of these things, then you, you maybe be, uh, aren't able to call yourself a Christian, um, and we won't go through all those right now for the sake of time. Um, obviously, we, we believe in uh, Jesus and him crucified, and that, that's why we're here, and that's really the core of what we do. Obviously, the Bible's full of a lot of very important truths, and those are those kinds of things we discover. If you have, a, like, specific questions, you know, catch us after a gathering, and we're happy to talk to you more about that. Um, yeah, the, the five G's for us, and that's really uh, what life looks like at, at Refuge, being family here, uh, go to discover is the first one. Um, that counts as a G. Um, gather, give, um, get involved, and gospel community or the others. And that's really what, what life looks like. Again, those are all things worth of a, a lengthy discussion that we won't have here. But, yeah, come, come get involved. We would love to talk more with you.
1: Yeah, and Discover is next week. Highly recommend to go. Um, I went when I first came here, and I was the only one that was there, which was kind of weird. They kind of circled up around me, and uh, now I'm here all these years later. Um, Someone else said, I just recently lost a close relative who suffered illness for years. Um, I'm having trouble coming to peace with the suffering she endured. Where in the Bible can I or should I look for peace?
4: Yeah, I would say the same one, uh, Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Um, I won't won't go back through it, but, uh, you know, knowing that God is sovereign is our our one thing that we can rely on that— uh, that the, this person's suffering was not wasted, was not um, unplanned, uh, that God was in it the whole time. And uh, so for the peace, that's exactly where I go, Philippians 4, 4 through 7, check it out. Yeah,
3: and I would just add that you, I think we're, we're really quick when we see suffering and terrible things that happen. We think that you know God is either mean, he doesn't care, or he's incompetent, um, and none of those things are true. Uh, we live in a, a sinful, broken world, um, and the suffering, um, God hates the suffering too, uh, but you know, the, like the verse I, I just mentioned, he's going to fix it, uh, and so in the midst of your suffering, um, you know, remind yourself who God is, uh, and that this suffering isn't a cause of a, a God who doesn't care, it's the cause of a sinful us, you know, we we cause this suffering, um, maybe not this specific thing you're talking about, um, but yeah. God hurts with us. You know, if you read how Jesus, in the midst of suffering, cried with people um, and was there with them, um, knowing that he was going to eventually fix the suffering, he was still sad about it too.
4: Yeah, and the beauty of if, you know, if that person is a believer, if they were a follower of Jesus, we can rest in, in Revelation. It says, uh, in the coming, age, he will wipe away all every tear, and there will, uh, from, excuse me, he will wipe away. Every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for uh, for the former things have passed away. So that person, uh, if they are if they are in Christ, is no longer in pain. Uh, so anything that they uh, experienced here, uh, Paul says, is is temporary affliction compared to what is to come.
1: All right, uh, a question, kind of about the church, uh, the physical church. Um, with the growth in the area around Refuge, is the church looking to relocate or build somewhere
2: else? Uh, that's actually kind of a funny story. So, um, so we, obviously we're looking at you know with Blue Oval being built, you know the big Ford plant coming north of us and everything. We uh, was it last year we started really thinking about you know is this something we need to look at doing? Um, that just I mean the, we've already had offers of people to buy this building and this this acre lot, this prime real estate and. You know, so it's like, okay, this is something we need to look at doing, and as we were kind of talking about it, just, you know, kind of in passing, all four of us were kind of like, yeah, this is probably something we should look at doing, probably selling, buying something a little further, a um, little closer to where, wherever people are, we can buy some land, build a building, you know, that kind of stuff, and so we kind of kept, that conversation kept going, and so then we all kind of felt the Spirit say, okay, this is a really big conversation, uh, we really feel like we need to enter into a time of, of praying and fasting about this, this specific thing. Uh, and So we spent about a week and a half, of or I'm sorry, two weeks or so, of us, us you know, praying together and, uh, and fasting a specific day of each week uh, over this specific thing. And when we came back together, the Lord had, in, in each of us individually, turned all of our hearts into alignment of saying, no, we feel like the Lord wants us to be right here in this building for, you know, for at least for now, for a while. So, so we have no plans of relocating or anything. In fact, we're gonna probably get in a new roof here soon, and maybe some remodeling and stuff right here in this building. But we feel like it's a that we got enlightenment from the spirit himself that he wants us to be here at 9817 Huff and Puff Road. So maybe the word. Uh, The uh, road name will get renamed or something but uh, but we feel like God wants us to be here And if you think about it It actually is a really cool place for us to be with the lake district being built right across the I-40 with um, these hotels that are here That is a great need of ways. We're able to minister very well Um, and even with businesses being built up around us How cool is it that there's going to be a church in the midst of that That's able to minister to all of these people that are going to be coming to this area So, um, so we trust that the Lord knows what he's doing in building his church And maybe even building it physically and locating it physically where he has it uh, but it was just again this doesn't this happens pretty often where um, the elders will be praying about something and uh, and we see the Lord align our hearts all four of us individually and we come together and see what the spirit has done. It's such a worshipful moment of realizing that man how, how good is our God that he is a good leader in leading his church and he allows us four knuckleheads to, to have any part in it. Uh, it was really really cool. So, um, so I, I think that answers the question of you know do we have any plans of re, uh, relocating the answer is no we're going to we're going to stay put until the Lord tells us otherwise.
3: But if you want to buy us some land, um, maybe talk to us before you decide against that. So just just throw that offer out there.
1: Yeah, the first week I came here, I thought it was pretty cool that uh, we're in walking distance of Waffle House. So I'd be (laughs) devastated. Um, This is a real question. I did not do this, but how do you order your hash browns at Waffle House?
0: That's a great question. Uh, Scattered, smothered, covered, and chunked. Everything, almost. That's not topped. Topped just has like chili on it. And that's gross.
4: <laughs> Are there any uh, anti-hash brown people out there? David Polkstein. Mm. I knew I loved you, man.
1: Mm. <laughs> Yikes! What is the most awesome thing you saw God do in 2022?
3: I'll speak for Paul I mean I'll let you elaborate on the what happened with our students but just what God's been doing in our our students lives has been pretty incredible to see nothing we've ever experienced here in these 13 years before
4: yeah I don't even yeah y'all answer first yeah
0: Yeah, I'll say just the that certainly was one of the highlights of the year is Uh, seeing the Holy Spirit awaken many of our students to the gospel. But it didn't just happen in our students. It happened in adults and multiple people. We've baptized more people this year than we ever have. Uh, And so that is just one of those things that the, the Spirit is at work and He is awakening people to the gospel. And so uh that is for me the highlight is every time we pull this out we have to set this up and take it down is i'm like hey man we got to set it up again sorry larry got to set it up again he's like no no i love to set it up because we uh, this is just one of those external symbols of the uh, uh spiritual reality that the holy spirit is awakening people uh, to the gospel moving people from death to life and we get to baptize people just like we are today
2: Yeah, I think that I I would say it's the same thing. I think we've been even before this summer trip, you know, we had been praying for years. We really towards the beginning of the pandemic, uh, we felt that we were um, being called to enter into a season of prayer and fasting specifically for revival amongst the men and women in Refuge Church. Uh, And uh, and so if we there's there's a book we were able to read through their stuff, if you look at the history of revival, I won't go into all that. But uh, if you look at every major great awakening in the Western Church for the last 500 years, there, you will always find a small group of people where it's, it started with a small group of people praying and fasting for revival. Um, and so, um, so we we're like, well, if that, if that's what it takes, not to say that we're forcing the hand of God by any means. Uh, in fact, Mark Sayers says it really well that, um, that God doesn't need us to pray for, uh, for revival, but he likes to dance with people who want to be led. Uh, it's kind, of, kind of the analogy he uses. And so we want to posture our hearts in such a way that we want God to lead us into revival. And so we're praying and fasting for that. And we believe that what we saw at the students' trip um, was a part of the answer of that revival being stoked. And what's cool is that you, when you look in Acts, you see a lot of... Um, uh, we we're talking about how the, uh, such, so-and-so was saved, he and his household. And that doesn't mean that there's such thing as vicarious salvation. That's not a thing. What that means is that um, that the dad gets saved and that he shares the gospel with his family, and they get saved too because of the, what, the change they see in their dad or their brother or whatever. And so we started praying for that secondarily. God, let us see what we see in Acts. And we've seen that very thing happen. We've seen moms say, "I see the change in my son, and now I want—I want a piece of what of what he, what I see in him. I want that change in my heart too." We see brothers saying that teenage brothers saying, "I see the change in my brother. I want that change for me too." So what we're seeing in Acts is what we're seeing today, and that's the thing that I've been overcome with so much over the last last year is the things that we read about in Scripture are still happening right now. Like, that's bananas to me. Like that, that, that This isn't some ancient history book that we read about something that used to happen. The things that we're seeing is still going on right now, in people's hearts right now. God is still saving people right now over, um, or all around the world. In fact, there might be someone in this room at this very moment that the Spirit is stirring in their hearts to salvation. Like, how incredibly cool is that, that God is still doing that today? And I think the, the, just the tangibility of that has been just made so much more apparent to me over this last year yeah I,
4: uh, I get emotional if I if I talk too much about the the student trip um, but I think the the bigger the question was what is what is God what is what's the most awesome thing you've seen God do in 2022 and I think by definition God is awesome and so that he is the definition of of awesome and so everything that he's doing is awesome there's things that the student trip was just a that was you know there was a fruit that we got to see from many i mean there were there's people that were baptized before that there were there were people baptized after because of what they saw uh there's people what what fires me up right now is is the sanctification of those people who were baptized uh and and that there's that god is like uh, like blake just said god's still working in them uh, the people that right now I know are struggling to, uh, I, I, I want to believe this, but I can't believe this, and God is still working in them, like, we see that in 2022, uh, that was, that's just, that to me is awesome, um, but to see lives changed, um, man, God is just, is so good, uh, the one other thing that, the the awesome, one other awesome thing I saw in 2022 is just, uh, my, my students have heard this a million times, but, you know, this idea that there's no, there's no coincidences, that all of a sudden when they, when they realize that God is sovereign, that he's over all, your life changes because you realize that he is in everything, through everything, and so you start to, you know, it could be a conversation with one other person that brings up another conversation that leads you to someone else, and then that person's saved, and it's all God doing it all uh I, I feel like that that guy who's pointing to the wall like the conspiracy theories guy but it's true it's like it's it changes your life when you when you realize that he's he's in everything he's he's the one doing the work and so you know what we saw on the student trip is just it was just him doing it and we're just swept away by it and so um i don't know if any of that makes sense he did a lot of awesome things just in 2020 i can't wait for 2023
1: lord willing All right, one uh one final question um what are you the elders most excited about for refuge in 2023 I think we're all pumped about a roof that doesn't leak.
2: (laughs) I mean, this might sound like a cop-out answer, but just seeing God continue to work like we saw in 2022 and and the 13 years prior to that, um, I think that what's most exciting to see is, again, the fact that the things that we say we believe, we get to see in real life. Um, and I think that's the thing that I'm most excited to see is that the, when when the church is on purpose about being missionaries, that when y'all say you're missionaries and you go out to go out there and we see the stories and get to hear the stories that you're actually doing it, um, that's the thing that gets me pumped up the most. When I see people coming to baptisms uh, because of the the change that the Lord has made in their heart, that's the thing that I'm getting most excited about. Um, and so I just I I'm just. I'm more just giddy in, in anticipation of seeing what the Lord chooses to do over this next year. And it's it's just such a fun thing to be a part of. It's so cool to see the different families that God is choosing to bring into refuge and, and the different talents that he's bringing with them and, and how they are edifying the church and going out and being missionaries themselves. And um, so I think it would, if th- those are the first things that come to my mind as far as being excited about 2023, seeing God continuing to work and allowing this weird guy to be a part of it. It's been incredible.
3: Yeah, I, I think my answer would be the same every year. Uh, it just, just watching uh, Jesus change lives and being able to be a part of that. You know, the easy thing, you know, maybe the church answer would be like, oh, Refuge Church to grow. And yeah, thats I think that's a byproduct of Jesus changing lives and building his church. So I, I think the answer for me is easy. I, I love watching people get baptized and um, fall in love with Jesus and him transform their lives and we just get to, you know, be a part of it and see it happen. Go to work with dad
0: yeah, I would say that long, we we like to say the long, slow obedience in the same direction is uh, is what we try to do and be here at refuge. And when that happens, we see the spirit at work, and you don't necessarily see uh, it's awesome whenever we see something like the student trip happen, and you know, just the explosion of the Holy Spirit onto the scene uh, and 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 lives be so many lives being changed at once. But the cool thing for me personally is to watch people from January of last year to January of this year and and to see their you know small or even sometimes big movements and changing and things in their lives changing things in your lives changing uh to follow jesus more steadfastly to uh to maybe it's you getting more involved in refuge church or whatever the thing is that god is doing in your lives uh, just to see that continually over and over again uh, and then you look back and go man that dude is so different now because than he was 3 years ago or that lady man she is she's awesome she is the the way that she speaks she speaks life now where she didn't speak life before or whatever the thing is uh it, it's really cool to see that uh, over and over again so i i just hope for that same thing to continue yeah i don't
4: have uh i think i already talked about yeah just seeing seeing what it's already been mentioned seeing what god does um it, it just yeah there's nothing that we can look forward to more on a on a practical note i'm really excited uh, so i don't we haven't really announced this yet, but uh, f- my wife and I uh, are going to start a college uh, g c uh, so if you have uh, that's something we've we've seen a growing number of uh, college students come into refuge. Uh, we also have a huge senior class uh, going out so you all can't get rid of me uh, but yeah, so if you know anybody that uh, maybe came here and uh, left because there isn't anything for college we're going to be starting a uh, it's going to start as a small gospel community but uh, i'm very really excited to see uh, of course with the seniors what uh, what it, god does in, in y'all's lives continuing because this is where uh, you know the real world hits and the, the battles are are to be uh, to be won um but uh yeah I'm, I'm praying and also if y'all could be praying as well that we do bring in uh more of that age college young professional as well so uh, that's what i'm excited for
1: all right, there's one more final question that gets asked every week. Somebody said, are there students tonight? And I'm going to go
4: ahead and say no, because I know the answer. That, to that was all. Toby that messaged that in. I saw that. And uh, no, there is no students. Enjoy New Year's Day. Uh, it's really funny seeing some of these questions. with that, too, uh, I- I've seen a bunch of them roll in. There's so many that I want to get to. If, uh, uh, I'm going to try to, like, we should try to reach out to, to people. If, if you don't mind putting your name in there. Uh, we can reach back out to you with answering those those questions too. Because we only covered a couple tonight. Well, there's actually a
2: kind of a thing with that is that uh, this actually kind of is uh, us doing a Q&A now. We know that this is the second time we've been able to do it uh, over the last like year and a half, and it's something we've been asked about a lot. And so this is actually going to serve as the first Q&A. Uh, a recording of a podcast that we're going to be doing uh, starting out this next year. And so uh, so we're, we're, what we're going to do is, this is kind of the unofficial launch of that, is every single month we're going to be releasing a Q&A with, um, it won't be all four of us necessarily, it might just be one or two of us, uh, but our, our goal is to not spend 45 minutes talking about a question, but is to answer one question in 10 minutes or less. And so, uh, so I expect a lot of these questions that we have gotten today are may- maybe some of the questions that we address over the, over the next uh, coming months. Uh, so go to refugememphis.org/slash-subscribe. Make sure you're subscribed to our podcast uh, so that you can make sure that you're getting that uh, as we release those every single month. Our our plan is to uh, release it on the last Friday of every single month, uh, starting with January. So, uh, so if you want, if you like more of this, like more um, of a hearing, uh, just us answer off the wall questions. Uh, you can always uh, text that text that number to ask those questions, and uh, we'll be addressing those in a podcast that we're doing over this next couple, uh, over the next month, uh, every month over the next year.
0: All
1: right, I believe we're going to a time of communion. Uh, give your elders a round of applause. Uh, this is hard. I saw him squirm a few times.